Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast. Today, our guest is Mark Pendleton, and he is the founder of the Coffee Break series, which is one of the oldest podcasts for learning a language. We have a fascinating discussion with him where we hear how he started the podcast, uh, what his story with language learning is, uh, his philosophy about learning, and many other interesting things. So you'll hear about that in today's episode. And as always, if you've enjoyed it, make sure to uh, leave a review at languagehacking.com slash review or in the podcast uh, app that you're listening to, the option should be there too. So thank you very much. And without further ado, let's start the chat with Mark. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 52. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I'm here today with uh, my co-host, Elizabeth, and we're interviewing Mark Pendleton, who is uh, the founder of the uh, Coffee Break series of podcasts. So we're very excited to have him on. We want to hear all about his story and um, how we got into making these podcasts and language learning in general. So thanks so much for joining us today, Mark. I'm delighted to be here, Benny. Thank you for the invitation and delighted to meet you, Elizabeth. Yeah, so let's kick things off with hearing, like, how did this all start? Like, how did you get into, firstly, language learning? And then how did uh, Coffee Break kick off? Okay, well, language learning goes back to my, my childhood. Um, I only started officially learn, learning a language um, at secondary school, at high school, so that was French. But my grandmother was Italian, so we had a little bit of Italian at home. We didn't really speak in Italian at all, um, but I had a little bit of exposure to Italian and, and this idea of other words existing for different things that I knew as a particular thing in English, that, that excited me. And I remember when my sister first went to secondary school, and started learning French, she would teach me some words for le crayon and uh, la gomme and, 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 you know, useful classroom vocabulary and things like that. And it just fascinated me, the, the, the fact that what we call one thing has different words in different languages. So um, it, I guess that that's where it first started to, to develop an interest. Um, later on, I, I kind of started collecting language textbooks um, as a as a really cool teenager in the southwest Scotland. Uh, my my passion was collecting language phrase books and and things like that, and um, I went on from there. I, I I ended up studying languages at, at university, and then went on to become a, a teacher in a secondary school, which I absolutely adored, and uh, then. Just from there, did some other things, uh, worked with different schools across different areas, um, promoting languages and, and trying to get young people to understand that a language is, is not really a school subject. It's more than a school subject. It's so much more than, than that. And that's what led to, um, to, to, to Coffee Break. We, we basically started back in 2006. Um, uh, I had seen podcasts coming around. I'd seen the, 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 the possibilities that were offered uh, by by podcasts. I thought it was the perfect medium for, for delivering languages uh, or delivering language learning. And so we started up Coffee Break Spanish way back in, in 2006 when, when kind of nobody really knew what a podcast was. Um, <laughs> we kind of predated the, the, the whole idea of, of what podcasting is and, and um, well, the fact that it's, it's so, so ubiquitous now. So Coffee Break has a number of languages in it. We've got French, Spanish, German, Chinese, Italian, English, 
and Swedish. Why was Spanish the first of the series? At the time, it wasn't really a kind of conscious business decision. Um, uh, we we thought Spanish would be a good place to start. Um, as I said, I, I had seen the potential with podcasting. I thought um, that it would be cool to to create some kind of beginner Spanish course. There was no beginner Spanish course on iTunes at the time. The only other Spanish podcast that was really similar was Notes in Spanish, Ben and Marina's Notes in Spanish. It was a fabulous podcast. But at that, at that time, Ben and Marina were focusing on an intermediate level. So I thought, why don't we try a, a beginner Spanish podcast? And uh, uh, the, the daughter of a, of a colleague of mine um, wanted to learn Spanish. So we thought, well, okay, Cara, would you like to learn Spanish? Um, and we'll record the lessons and <laughs> the rest is history. That's amazing. Uh, as a language coach for the challenge, I'm constantly recommending your series for beginners because it's not it's not so much that your brain is spinning it really is something that you can do during your coffee break. So I would often use it to bookend my listening. So I would listen to coffee break French, and then I would listen to something full on in French and my brain would start to melt. And then I'd end like say, uh, you know, an exercise routine, a walk or, or my commute to work. I'd end it with another coffee break. French is like a, Oh, thank you. I get a reward to go back to Mark and the safety of hearing a little bit of English explaining Spanish or French. Um, is that what you were going for in, in terms of this, this type of series? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole idea of of having a coffee break, you don't expect to be stressed when you're having a coffee break with your friend. You don't expect to to have to worry in, in advance about what you're going to have to say or anything like that. A coffee break in itself is something that's enjoyable, it's friendly, it's non-threatening. So um, this is exactly what we were going for with the, the lessons. And ultimately, I knew Cara very well. So it was a, a, a an existing, uh, basically, we, we, we already knew each other. And, and therefore, it was that kind of friendly way of, of, of teaching. And that's definitely something that our listeners seem to really enjoy, the fact that they can do it while they're doing other things. That's the whole idea behind it. But at the same time, it's still covering some really core material. It's it's not, for example, avoiding, you know, it's not just a series of phrases that we're asking people to repeat. It's it's true learning with with deep set pedagogy in there. And you kick things off with the uh, by teaching Spanish and French yourself. But of course, you, as you've expanded the series, you've had to become the student. So how did you make that transition from the expert to the beginner in front of an audience? Uh, good question. I think the, the thing about being a teacher, a good teacher for me is a learner as well. Nobody who, who claims to be a good teacher can be anything but a learner too. Um, you're always learning when you're teaching because you learn how learners react to what you're you're seeing. You learn what learners need and, and their needs. So you're learning all the time as a teacher. Therefore, moving to the position of a, of a learner in Coffee Break German and, and Chinese and, and Swedish, um, that for me has has been uh, quite a simple move because I'm, I'm kind of still doing the same thing. In a sense, I'm, I'm helping our listeners uh, understand what's being taught because sometimes it's my job to to sort of facilitate the learning in a sense, even though my role is the is the, is the student. And even learners in, in sort of more typical learning situations can still do that. It's still possible to to focus on on the way in which you're learning and and how that can can benefit yourself and and indeed other people in in, in your class. Um, I think one of the the other possibilities that that taking on the role of the learner uh, involves is this idea of of 
kind of demonstrating vulnerability and demonstrating the the idea that you know what it's okay if you don't make everything correct if you don't see everything correctly if you make mistakes that's absolutely a key part to to learning and uh, while some of the the earlier lessons perhaps in in, in German I had a little bit of German before we started coffee break German uh, my wife's a German teacher actually um, although not the German teacher on the <laughs> the, the, the lessons um, but at that point, it, it was relatively straightforward, but as as we got further ad, uh, advanced with the the German, and certainly as I've been the learner in Coffee Break Chinese, I think at the after the the recordings, it was pretty exhausted being the learner, but the presenter as well, um, and and trying to to sort of demonstrate this learning uh, through the podcast. But it's, it's a fabulous experience. It's, it's a joy to continue to learn all the time. Yeah, I can see how your skills as a secondary teacher spill into the podcast because there's a gentleness in your teaching method and learning and teaching vulnerability is essential for a language learner. If you cannot be vulnerable and make lots of mistakes, as Benny says, he tries to make, I don't know, 200, 100 mistakes a day. If you don't do that, you won't continue to progress. You have to be okay with just spitting it out, mushing it up and hoping that someone understands it and then recreating. Now you've had a few um, cameos, like your son came in to, I believe it was Coffee Break French. I don't remember. He's older now. Does he now speak a language? Do you have a lot of languages in your, in your daily household life? Um, we, we do. Um, my son has now gone off to university. He's studying law at university. Um, my younger son is still at school. He's completely obsessed with French at the moment. So we're absolutely lo loving the fact that, um, even at, late at night, he's got all these questions. Last night he was asking him about the French subjunctive at 10 o'clock at night, which was great. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was lovely to, to be able to, to see that enthusiasm come through in, uh, in my children, obviously. Um, and we do use French quite regularly regularly at home. We all speak some from, from some French. Um, and we also, we kind of develop our own, I guess, as, as parents, um, we, we've developed our own uh, language that we use to avoid our children knowing what we're talking about, ultimately. <laughs> and actually, my, my son told me yesterday, you'll need to stop talking in French because I understand it all now. Um, so, <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> so for people who are unfamiliar with your podcast, what kind of format does does it have um, and like how do you think it distinguishes itself from other podcasts that try to help people learn language? Okay, so Coffee Break is all about, as I said earlier, um, a, a friendly uh, coffee break length lesson. In the early seasons, we, we organize everything in seasons. So in, in early seasons, uh, we're looking at uh, an experience between a teacher and a learner. So as a listener, you are the second learner and you're listening into a lesson between a teacher and a learner. And we've always thought that's very important, especially at the beginning of, of you know, your, your, your language journey, because if you have a learner on the thing that you're listening to, then the learner can ask the question. The learner can get things wrong. And it's the teacher's job to, to guide the learner in the correct pronunciation and, and uh, solving those questions and, and answering the, the, the tricky things that, that come up. So in those early lessons, it very much is you're, you're listening into a lesson between a, a teacher and a learner. But in a sense, it's, you asked how it's different from other materials that exist. I guess that is similar to the, the Michel Thomas course season in a sense. But I think the way in which we change things is we make it very much more personal. So um, the learners 
have a name and, and the teacher has a name and, and we, we try to experience that, that actual development of the language over the course of, of, of time. In later series, we, we tend to focus on stories and we tend to allow um, the, the, language the language learning to happen through stories. So um, the stories actually were introduced way back at the beginning. So even in season one and in season two, uh, each season is made up of 40 lessons and the final 10 lessons in any one of the early seasons has some kind of story. In, the, in season one, for example, we have the, the person who is the learner go to the country um, and uh, we record authentic conversations with that person happening in, in the country. Obviously, we, we control the language a little in those conversations so that there is a, a kind of learning level uh, that, that's not too uh, overwhelming at that stage. Then in season two, we've got a, a, a mini uh, a mini soap opera, in a sense, um, in lessons 31 to 40, again, based on a story. And I think people love stories. People love uh, getting a hook and, and following a story. And, and then the language can almost take a second seat to the story. But of course, the, the language in the story for us has to be carefully designed in order, again, to, to be progressive in the sense that we'll in, in those stories we'll see what has come up in the previous lesson and it's all fed in naturally so that they're seeing more examples of the things that we've covered in, in those uh, original lessons. And then as we move on, so in French and, and uh, Spanish, we have seasons three and four, um, and they are, again, based around stories. And with French now, we have a, a very advanced course called La Vérité que la Toujours, um, which is uh, based around a, basically a crime novel that we've we've written. And uh, it's, it's a, an opportunity to get into the language in, in a much deeper way. Um, so that's how the, the whole series uh, of, of podcasts work. We have some other shorter courses. So we've started doing things like our travel diary seasons. Um, last year, it got a little bit to travel anywhere, a little bit difficult to travel anywhere. So uh, we thought the best way to do this would be some virtual travel. So it's very carefully, again, written uh, travel diaries in, in French, German, Spanish and Italian. Um, and we also have magazine series. We've got a whole range of different series um, to allow people to, to help get over that kind of uh, the, the intermediate plateau, as it were. I do oddly feel like I've been in all of your classes. There's a there's a very personal feeling to the classes. You know, there's a little bit of banter, but not too much. There's a call and response where you'll ask a question and then the student will wait to answer the question. So I have a chance. The listener has a chance to answer that question. Um, so I do want to give everyone a warning. If you're walking in your neighborhood, you will seem odd because you'll be answering questions in your target language. Um, so the, but the, my, one of my favorite parts, once I, I felt like it was a reward for getting through the beginner seasons is the intermediate. It's so much fun. Who wrote the stories? Um, the French stories, there were a bunch of French stories. It was like four or five people in a school and they each were writing letters home and they were explaining their experiences in school. This is completely in French. You would read the story and then you would break up parts of it. And then you could buy the class to get an in-depth look at this lesson. These were some of my favorite lessons ever. Did you write those stories? Because the plots were fantastic. The character development <laughs> was really good. Thank you. Um, yes, I did actually write those stories. Um, I, I wrote them and then we had them sort of proofed and and, and added to by a, a native speaker. Um, but yeah, I did write those stories. We've we've got other stories later in, in the, the course season. My wife writes a lot of the stories. Um, and now with a bigger team, we've got different people working in different languages. Um, and so we've got a whole number of people in, involved in, in the stories. And you've been doing this since uh, 2006. So I'm sure you've got 
a lot of people giving you feedback and a lot of interesting stories that have resulted from that. So what are what are some examples of the results you've seen uh, in all these years with people listening in? Yeah, I mean, we've had so many, so many lovely responses from our, our listeners. We, we deliver about 2.5 million podcast uh, episodes a month. So we do get a, a lot of, of feedback from our, uh, from our listeners. And, and that's always, it's always great to, to hear how people have got on. Um, we, we have a whole range of, of experiences. People, uh, have, have contacted us about how they, they had maybe had bad experiences in, in their own, uh, learning in school where they maybe didn't enjoy their, their learning in, in, in school and only came to, uh, to, to look at the language later in life, um, and th- did so through coffee break and, and they've loved doing that. We've got stories of, of particularly older people. So we've got loads of, of older learners who are perhaps learning the language because they have got a new French-speaking or Spanish-speaking grandson or granddaughter. Uh, perhaps their son or daughter has has married a, a, a native French speaker or something like that. So they've got a new grandchild who who speaks the language and therefore they want to connect with the, the, their grandchild. So uh, it's, it's so nice to hear the ways in which our, our learners are using the language. Many of them are, are learning for, for, for cultural reasons, for, for uh, travel, for, for finding out more about the, uh, the, 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 the cultures that are, are associated with the, the languages. Um, others for work, we've got lots of stories of, of people who are using um, our content for, for ultimately to, to get promotions and, and to, to move forward in, in their careers. Um, so it's, it's always so rewarding to know that we are, are able to help so many people uh, with their, their language lessons and learning. You had mentioned in one of the episodes, um, and I I know that there are other people that are fangirling you and fanboying you right now. So I know they're going to love this question. So you had mentioned that you dreamed as a young boy of owning a language school, of running a language school. I'm assuming that podcast didn't exist back then, right? Not, you know, they're, they're relatively new. What did you, how did you envision your language school would be and how is it surprisingly different? Okay, there, there is, I'm not sure whether it is available on, on, I don't, I, I've never posted it myself on, on any, um, or maybe I did post it on Instagram at one point, but there's a photo of me, um, in my bedroom as I think a 14 year old, uh, boy surrounded by language learning books. Um, and I've, I've handwritten the Pendleton School of Languages. Um, and, uh, I've certainly used that photo in a number of presentations. Um, and yeah, I, I, I did imagine being involved in teaching. I came from a family of teachers, so it's, it's very much in the blood. But I think the key skill of a teacher, um, and probably even back then, I, I had seen my, my mom and my dad as, as teachers who were sharing their passion. Uh, my dad was a physics teacher, so he was passionate about physics and, and, uh, then later computing and, and he was sharing that passion. Um, and, I think that's what a, a teacher does. A teacher shares their passion and uh, inspires other people. And I guess I wanted to share my passion for for language learning with with others. Maybe some of the people I was at school with weren't as passionate about languages as, as I was. And um, I guess that uh, over time, one finds one's community, one finds one's 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 people. Um, it's so great nowadays that that it's possible to be so connected, and, and no matter what you're interested in, you can you can find other people that have similar interests. Back then, probably it wasn't quite as 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 possible. In I mean, that would be 1986, so definitely well well before the the dawn of podcasting and, and even the internet in that sense. 
Um, so it was a, a smaller place, um, but I, I don't think I'd ever imagined that 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 sharing of of my passion about language learning could be beyond the walls of of a school or a community or or, or something like that. Um, so yeah, so so delighted that it's it's possible that, that it can go further than that now. So um, um, as the as I was asking before about the uh, the positives that have come from all of this, what have you found have been the feedback you've gotten from people from uh, who mentioned that their biggest roadblocks and their uh, how they stumble and what are the issues that people have that you think have slowed them down in their language learning and uh, how have you addressed that? Okay, I think there are probably. The, the, the most common things that we receive in comments wise about people's own language learning process, I think time is probably one of the biggest challenges, time and, and consistency. So if, if you're learning a language, obviously you do need to spend time on it. Um, and, and what we've always tried to, to say is that, and what I've always tried to say personally is, is that it's not about spending two hours on a Saturday morning, um, working on your French. If you've got two hours on a Saturday morning when you're not doing all the other things that are in your busy life, then, then great. But it's much more about doing those little bits, that 10 minutes that you do while you're waiting for your children to get ready or, or, um, while you're walking the dog or something like that. So those short, regular sessions that, that you can use are so much more useful than the, the long session that happens maybe once a week. And if it doesn't happen this week, then you're, you're a fortnight before you, you manage to, to get back to it. So I would always say, in a sense, that's why we created Coffee Break, the, the idea of um, being able to provide uh, materials that people can use in those very short pe- periods of time, the 15 minutes, the 20 minutes that you may have. And of course, you can, you can complement that with, with all sorts of, uh, app content or, or other podcasts or, or watching a video or, or, or whatever. I think the other, um, area that, that a lot of people struggle with is moving beyond that, that plateau that you reach at, at the intermediate level. Um, and, and there's no doubt that that is, that is tricky. I have encountered that plateau many times myself in the languages that I've learned. Um, and it is difficult to get beyond. It's difficult to, um, to, to kind of know where to go. I always feel that, that when you're learning a language at the beginning, you can, you can, str- it's like a walk in the woods. I say it's, you can stride forwards very happily, um, through the, the path and, and you don't really need to worry about what's on either side of the path because you can keep moving forward. But then you get to a point where there are, the, the, the path is getting steeper. Um, so rather than keeping going straight ahead, you have to think about, am I going to have to take a wider route here? Am I going to be going down, um, little sort of paths that come off the main path to investigate what's going on there? And that's exactly what that intermediate level is, is like for me. And I would say go down every single one of them because every one that you go down, you'll experience something new. You'll pick up a, a new phrase. You'll, you'll understand a new bit of grammar. And then you can come back to your path and move forward a little more. The progress is going to take you much longer. It's, it's going to slow things down, but you're going to have a more, a, a richer experience for it. So you will eventually reach the, the, the goal that you're, that you're heading for. But for me, that goal is not necessarily this, this notion of fluency. Um, fluency is, is such, is, it's a word that is used in, in, in so many situations as, as, um, I think it's a dangerous word almost for language learning because, um, who, who determines what fluency is? Um, I know, Benny, obviously you've spoken loads about this in, in, in the past. And I think we, we, we can see this idea of 
what you need to do with the language that you're learning is the important thing. So whatever target you have, if that is being able to have that conversation uh, with your uh, with your new grandchild or, or being able to speak to your neighbor who's just moved in and welcome them and so on, whatever that is, that's what your aim should be. And if you can go on beyond that, great. But if you don't, if that's as far as you get, then that's that's good too. Kirsten Cable, another polyglot, talks about there can be so many different types of fluency, right? There can be like elevator talk fluency, buying a train ticket fluency. And so it just takes the, it takes all that pressure off of the word fluency. You know, I often say I'm, I'm conversationally fluent. It just, it just softens it a bit for me. Now, what you're talking about here is flexibility and diligence. That's what I'm seeing, like flexibility to just pop, you know, you're in line at the bank, although no one's in line at banks anymore because we all do online checking, but you're in line somewhere. You're in line to get your phone fixed so that you can go banking and, and you can have that flexibility to jump on and do something. And then the diligence is to keep going. These are some of the stumbling blocks that we have. A lot of times people will say, I'm just not a natural language learner. I just don't know how to learn languages. And one of the beautiful things that Benny taught me in a lot of the articles when I first started this wonderful world, this Alice in Wonderland, Alice, Alice in Language Land um, journey was that he really embraces his imperfection. That is his superpower. What would you say your superpower is in terms of language learning? Or what do you see, if it's not just yours, what do you see like the one of the biggest superpowers in a, a successful language learner? A skill that can be, you know, it's not something you were just born with. It's a skill that you can build because you can build the um, being okay with the discomfort of making mistakes so what skill would you say is, is essential or is very, very helpful for as a language learner? Um, okay. I, I would say that probably for me, the most important thing would be patience because it's not something that's going to happen overnight. You're not going to learn a language in, in, in a week or even three months. <laughs> and uh, you're, you're, you're ultimately going to take time at it, but every bit of time that you're taking at it is, is worth it. Um, I think uh, if, if you compare it with learning a musical instrument, um, and uh, my, my my son was learning the cello uh, a few years back, and and every um, <laughs> every scrape of the bow across the strings was somewhat painful to listen to. We were encouraging him, of course, but if you compare that to, to speaking a language, even the first things, even that first phrase that you say or the first words that you say, that can bring a smile to someone's face. So um, you. It, you, that, that the patience that you require to bring more than that smile and to to continue bringing that smile to to people's faces, then I think that that's that's so important. But I think the the other thing that I would always try to encourage people to think of is um, maybe a, a superpower for for learning a language is the ability to avoid comparison. Don't compare yourself with other people. Um, that may be the, the the people that you're seeing online, the polyglots who speak fifty languages fluently. It may be the the, the people in your class if you're, you're attending a class or a Zoom class or whatever, or it may be native speakers. So if you're comparing yourself to others, I think that's dangerous because ultimately, I will say that the only people that you you should compare yourself with are, are yourself yesterday and yourself today uh sorry yourself tomorrow um because that way you can compare how you were yesterday have i moved on because i've done 10 minutes of learning and there's a new word i know and uh, if i'm comparing myself today to how i might be tomorrow then maybe i'll have moved on another stage 
and that comes back to the patience as well. So, you know, patience and, and, and ability to avoid comparison, those would be the super, the superpowers that I would suggest for a language learner. So um, I liken your story, like languages have been truly a part of, of your whole life and even having a dream as a teenager to open a language school is, uh, is very different to, to a lot of other people's stories. I certainly never had that dream as a teenager, never even got into languages until um, into my 20s. So with languages being so central to your life, and uh, like you were mentioning, you'll, you'll use them with your wife at times, you'll kind of have secret languages you can use. But what, what other practical aspects have you found from the languages that you've used and what travel, travel opportunities have you, have you had to, uh, have you been able to experience? I think, um, without a doubt, the, the ability to, to use a language on any level changes completely the, the, the travel experience that you have. Um, I mean, I think everyone knows that, that, that you're, you're certainly the, the listeners to this show will, will definitely know that. Um, but I think that this idea of, of being able to use the language that, that you're learning in a practical way, um, that reinforces your confidence. Sometimes it knocks your confidence, but that's a good thing too, because again, it's about making mistakes and sometimes you can laugh about the mistakes. Um, but I think if you continue to, to, to work at it and if you continue to, to force yourself into using that on the, the, the traveling experience, then, then it's only going to improve. Um, in terms of opportunities and, and the ways in which, uh, the, the skills that I've learned through learning languages have, have applied to, to my life. Again, I think it comes back to that patience idea because I, the, the biggest thing that I've done over the past maybe 10, 15 years is, is completely changed my working life, going from a school teacher to working as, a, well, basically a, a teacher that was working with lots of different schools and, and running a, a project and then moving into setting up my own business and, and growing that business and, and developing the, the business to the extent now that we have a, a large team and we, um, we, we deliver a, a huge amount of content to a huge number of people. Um, the 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 patience of of uh, the the language learning uh, experience I think has helped me develop the, the 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 business skills I was learning as I went along, which is very much something that you do. You you have to have an element of of resilience as as a language learner. You have to have a, a an element of uh, of of ingenuity that you you think of a word that you don't know, and therefore you have to think of another way of doing it. So you adapt. And that adaptability that as a language learner, you're learning all the time. I think that has, has benefited me in, in ways in, in developing my understanding and, and my, my awareness of, of, of business things. Oh, Mark, the word resilience is so important to me. I think that as a, unlike you, I came into language learning later in life. I don't think I even touched French successfully. I failed 10 times trying to learn languages through classes. And a lot of those failures were, I got great grades, I liked the courses, and then the course would finish and I wouldn't be able to speak. And so when I bumped into fluent in three months and then coffee break French, uh, there was a, there was kind of a gentle guidance by you both, Benny and Mark. Um, and I think you were slowly teaching me resilience, hang in there. It's going to be difficult at times. So you were young when you started learning, but were there some language failures for you or were you just like out of the womb, you could easily pick up languages? And what did those failures look like to you? When did you want to give up? I find it difficult to identify any kind of big failures with with language learning because I think language learning has always been 
something that I've I've enjoyed doing. It's been less of of a task. It's been less of a job. It's been less of a, you know, it wasn't, back then it wasn't really a school subject for me. It was something that I was enjoying so much. Um, And I think rather than, you know, big failures uh, at any point in that, that journey, I think as a language learner, you fail all the time. And that feeling all the time little failures all the time you just pick yourself up and you 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 get back on the the, the bike or, or or the horse or whatever um and and I, for me i mean maybe i've i've been very lucky in that respect in, in that i've not had uh you know i've not encountered the 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 the, the idea that you know oh, i've i've completely messed up something i've said or or i've just not got any enthusiasm for for a particular language anymore um I, again I'm, I, I must be quite lucky in that respect but i don't really feel i have that i think the only thing that, that does come to mind is maybe frustration at not moving as far in a particular language before the other shiny object took over and, and uh, I moved to another language. Um, I do, uh, you know, if, if I'm watching something on the TV and it's, oh, that's a little bit of Dutch. Hmm, I think I'll learn some Dutch. Um, I think there is that. And, and I know many people experience that. Um, and perhaps at the time uh, you think, oh, I should really focus on my whatever and, and make that, uh, Im- you know, make an improvement there. But again, that comes back to this idea that I know that that I, for example, in, in German, I know that I will never be able to speak fluent German without thinking about uh, about cases, without thinking about word order. I know that if I perhaps if I went to Germany and, and or Austria, Switzerland to, to live and, and experienced it every day, then perhaps through the Sprachgefühl of, of of hearing it all the time, then I probably would pick up uh, that. But in my life at the moment, I'm I'm unlikely to ever become completely fluent in German. But when it's possible to travel, I, I go to Germany regularly. I've got German friends. I can completely um, be comfortable with the amount of German I speak. Yes, I'll struggle for words sometimes, but I'll just ask somebody, how do you say that? What is that word? And and, and things. I think then the, the whole idea of, of failure, I'd just like to, to turn that on on its head and and think of of every little failure actually as a success. It's another little success on the journey to greater success. Um, and uh, maybe that's avoiding the, the, the issue of, of failure, but that's the way I like to, <laughs> to think about things. Yeah, I think that perspective is really important, especially from language giants. You know, when people listen to Mark on Coffee Break German and they're like, oh, he just gets it so easily. Yes, he's a learner, but he knows how to do this and he never worries. He No, you just you might scrape your knee a little bit on a conversation, then you get up. It's fun. You know, you don't go on a hike, stub your toe and go, I'm never, ever going to go hiking again, ever. So you've got quite quite the team in uh, each of your different um, like coffee break uh, podcasts. And I'm curious, like how you found them, because, uh, for instance, uh, Pierre Benoit, he's a very charismatic team member. So, like, how do you come across these people and what uh, what made you decide these are the ones who are going to help me to get that language message out there? Um, well, Pierre Benoit and I go back a long, long way over over twenty years. I, I knew Pierre Benoit from a, a previous life, from from my my work in, in education in, in, in schools, 
Um, he still teaches uh, part of the time in, in uh, a school in, in Ayrshire. Um, and then part of the time he's with us. So um, we, we go back a long way and it's great to have, uh, as you say, a charismatic team member like, like Pierre Benoit. But all of our team members, are, are they, they bring their own character to the, the, the show. And I think what we look for in, in people is coming back to that passion again. It's people who are as passionate about sharing their knowledge of a particular language or the culture of associated with that uh, language with a, a wider audience. And obviously, uh, one of my joys is the fact that, that I have these different uh, d- different joys or different passions about all of these different languages, and each one of them is such an expert in their their own language. And many of them also have have shared uh, passions in, in other languages. But we, I think we we identify people or we identify with people who who really can uh, be completely passionate about their language and their ability to share that with with learners. Are you studying any new languages right now? And if so, spell it. <laughs> um, I think I said earlier that that I, I do sort of jump in and out of different languages um, quite a lot. Um, my my kind of default. I'm I'm totally obsessed with Scandinavia. I think uh, I, I've always been really really interested in in everything to do with with Scandinavia, and got a lot of friends in in Norway and and, and Sweden. Um, so my default is kind of coming back to Norwegian and Swedish. Um, and obviously, at the moment, we're doing a coffee break Swedish, so um, it's my job to be the learner on that, and therefore I have to make sure I'm I'm up to scratch with with my Swedish for for the the, the recordings that we're doing. But and, and it's quite difficult because at times I get told by Hannah that um, I'm I'm sounding a little bit Norwegian today, and that might have been because I was watching a Norwegian series on Netflix the night before or something like that. So um, she keeps me in check with my my Swedish accent. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I dip in and out of, of, uh, languages, but probably, um, I think probably the, the Scandinavian languages are, are the ones that I always come back to in terms of new languages. So as you know, this is the language hacking podcast. So one thing we always like to ask our guests as they come on is what does language hacking mean to you? I think I'm, I'm going to come back to this idea of, of, uh, doing a little, often um because if 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 you're trying to to find another way of learning something if you're trying to hack the system in 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 the the learning of a language um then for me you have to do that in a in a in a structured way in a progressive way and and really follow on from what you do one day the next day the following day and and doing a little uh, a little regularly rather than trying to all fit it in in, in you know the the weekend or, or something like that um, I think, I think there's, there's a danger in simplifying, uh, the, the process of learning too much. And I think there's a danger in, in assuming that, uh, you, you don't need to, for example, you don't, you don't, don't worry about grammar that will happen automatically. Um, just, just speak or, or just, just try to, uh, to, to use the language or, and, and obviously that's, that's really important because that's building your confidence in, in using it and so on. But I think it is dangerous co- to completely ignore the the idea of the structure of the language. And I think when a learner gets into that structure and begins to understand it and crucially sees it and hears it and, and experiences it again and again, which the learner ideally would be doing on these um, regular sessions, then that's when I think the, the 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 language begins to make sense for the learner. And as soon as it makes sense, 
it's back to that idea of of you, you've not just learned something, you know it. And when you know it, then it's much easier to to reproduce. And uh, what's the future of Coffee Break? Like, do you plan to expand to new languages and uh, take it in different directions like you did with the story series? Well, what are your big plans now? We have um, lots of different plans. Um, obviously, we have different levels of, of different languages. So um, at the moment, our French and Italian, sorry, our French and Spanish uh, levels, there's more content there. They, they go up to a higher level, if you like. So at the moment, we're working on a season three for Coffee Break German and Coffee Break Italian, um, and they will be out later in the year. We're also creating a whole lot of new content at that middle level, so the, the kind of intermediate level. Again, it's about getting more access to the kind of content that that will help a learner develop that. Um, and uh, we are producing new content there in, in all our languages at the, the the middle level, as it like, if you like. Um, and there are plans to uh, add um, more languages in the future. Um, I can't really reveal anything about that just now. Um, we have, however, depending on this, when this goes out, we have just launched our new Coffee Break English podcast. So we're moving into uh, teaching English uh, as a foreign language. We did a series last year in Spanish where we were teaching English through Spanish. Um, but our new Coffee Break English podcast is focusing on, on entirely uh, in English and it features correspondence from uh, the US, from Canada, from Australia, from uh, uh, the, the UK. Um, and so people are going to be hearing lots of different English accents and looking at the cultural side of, of uh, things and, and focusing firstly on A2 because I think A2 is, a, is an underserved uh, level perhaps. Um, so that's what we're, we're doing. That's a, a big new development. Excellent stuff. So we'll be sure to, to link to all your social media and where people can find uh, different episodes of the Coffee Break series in the show notes for this uh, podcast. And um, otherwise, thank you so much for coming on. And we really appreciate this. Do you have any closing words for us? I would just uh, encourage all, all the listeners to, to this podcast to continue being as enthusiastic about, about languages in general, get as much content from as many sources as possible. Um, I think there's there's room for everyone in the in the world of language learning and the more content you can get, um, the better. Of course, please feel free to check out Coffee Break Languages if you fancy learning a, a language while having your coffee or tea or whatever beverage you choose to have. Uh, but we, we would be delighted to see you over there. But thanks very much for the, the invitation to, to come on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Merci beaucoup, mon prof. Tes <laughs> podcasts sont formidables, vraiment. Ben, merci beaucoup. <laughs> J'en suis très content. Thank you very much. So after these episodes, we like to have uh, a quick uh, wrap-up discussion as the hosts to see what our takeaways are from the episode. So Elizabeth, what would your biggest takeaway be from this chat we had with Mark? Aside being starstruck that I got to speak to <laughs> the guy from Coffee Break French, um, I really enjoyed the idea that language learning can be like a patient walk in the woods. It can be something enjoyable, something that enriches your life, doesn't, doesn't cause you stress, doesn't cause you pain, something that you feel good and uplifted about when you do it. So that was really important to me. And then the other thing, which I think you and I talk about a lot to listeners is stop comparing yourself to other people. It's just not going to help you compare me to me, compare you to you where you were at day one, where you are at day 30, but 
go back to that walk in the woods when you start to get when the the gremlin of comparison starts popping up. Absolutely. And for me, I really like what he said about when he transitioned to becoming the student, that uh, the reason he embraced that so much is that he understands the importance of demonstrating vulnerability. And I, I really identify with that. I think um, like I have made uh, a name for myself for demonstrating my progress in a language as a student. And I will really want people who are listening to understand that it's uh, it's not something that you get judged for. It's not something people are going to be criticizing you for. It's a part of the process. And even when you put yourself out there for the whole world, in my case, recording videos, and in Mark Mark's case, recording podcasts as the student himself, uh, you see that people appreciate that. They appreciate you being the learner and seeing what they can take from that. So I really like that. Uh, he emphasized that he enjoys demonstrating his vulnerability. So that was my takeaway. And otherwise, thank you everyone so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. And as always, make sure to leave us a review. And uh, if this is the first time you're hearing, definitely don't forget to subscribe in your podcast listener of choice. So until the next time, I wish you all a very happy language learning. Happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.